This is the Grin Podcast, and I am Hindol Sengupta. I have a very special guest today, joining me all the way from Dallas, Texas. His name is Professor Pankaj Jain, and he teaches religion and philosophy at the University of North Texas. Thank you very much, Professor Jain, for being on the show. Thank you, Hindol, for inviting me. It's great to be with you here. Professor Jain actually is a bit of a celebrity. He recently was seen. with Morgan Freeman in the famous show uh trying to discover god in a sense um in the show that Morgan Freeman does uh what is it called professor jain in search of god not the story of god the on story national of geographic god. yeah the story yeah. of god on national geographic congratulations right, that... on your on your tv appearance so to speak <laughs> thank you it's coming actually next tuesday april 9th it's still coming <laughs> great wonderful oh, great, uh, yeah. we all look forward to it but Thank thanks you. for being on the green podcast and i want to begin by asking you a subject that is of great interest to you and has been for a while and indeed to me uh, i want to ask you how, how can we contemplate non-violence in a world that seems so deeply violent all around us because you know at some point it seemed that kingdoms used to fight with each other right there was a lot of violence and wars and countries went to war against each mm-hmm. other today today the nature of violence seems particularly personal particularly mm-hmm. intimate in a world like that how can we contemplate the sublime notion of non-violence yeah i think all kinds of violence really uh, i think are, are are all interconnected not just violence even action reaction the way we react to certain things uh, happening to us we all react in a certain way and that eventually becomes kind of, used to become kind of a war that one country would take on on other country right and so you know more than 2000 to 3000 years ago our our people um uh, sages and thinkers uh, such as the buddha and mahavira they saw this you know vicious cycle of violence and and and, and more revenge and what not and they came to those conclusions after years of their meditation that all of these things are interlinked and it starts with mind goes on to speech and then that goes on to action right so the way to stop all that violence has to begin somewhere and that 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 place has to be i me myself i have to stop my reactions i have to observe my thoughts that is what uh, i have to make myself non violent and that will be, make the society or the country non violent that's what has been uh, happening uh, that's a teaching at least in buddhism and jainism for more than uh, two millennia and that gandhi adopted famously in last century and from gandhi we saw that spreading across the world through dr martin luther king in in united states and nelson mandela in south africa and so on so i think it it's a it's a need of the hour as you said and and uh, we have to really wake up and and stop this vicious cycle of violence yes yeah, so this whole uh, eastern philosophies you know hinduism's mm-hmm. entire thing of uh, talking about the you know all change that you want to see in the world really right. must be first with, with you right? right because to fix you the 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 entity should i say called you all change mm-hmm. begins from there right right exactly exactly i i talk to you a little bit about something that you mentioned and most mm-hmm. people don't understand it and grapple with this that mm-hmm. a cycle of action and reaction mm-hmm. at a very basic day to day basis you mm-hmm. know somebody has something to us we scream we hurl abuse you know mm-hmm. we get angry that itself is the first root of violence isn't it 
And most yes, people, when they think of violence, they think of murder and war and things like mm-hmm. that. But at a very basic level, you know, somebody does something to us, we write an angry message, shout mm-hmm. at somebody on the road. Violence begins from there, right? Uh, and, and this action and reaction that you spoke about. Could you talk to us a little bit more about this vicious cycle of action and reaction? Yes, uh, maybe I'll share an example actually just happened last week here in my class. Uh, I have a Jewish student in my class on Jainism and uh, he met a student uh, who uh, I mean who attacked Israel from her perspective and this person this my Jewish student uh, instead of reacting with more hatred he said uh, I pray for you. Yeah, she said that I, I, I wish that Israel should should end. I, I mean, death to Israel is what she said, right? And this Jewish person, this student, says that I wish prosperity and peace for all everybody in Palestine and in Israel. So look at that. That it's immediately he stopped that cycle right there. He would have again, if he wanted, he would have reacted more violently, very easily, right? But he was very aware and he stopped the cycle and eventually convinced that person to become his friend. And now they both are friends. This happened just last week, right here. So this is, I think, one very recent, you know, excellent example in my in my mind here, right here at UNT. This, this is what has to happen, what has to happen, I think, more and more in our life, in my life also, that the way we, we stop that is, is by forgiveness, by compassion, by love, by, by stopping our reaction, by observing our own minds, and again, this 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 is what Buddha and Mahavira teach more than two millennia ago. That's what was the meditation all about. That you are not your body, you are not your mind. You can control your reaction. You can observe your own mind. You can study mind with your own mind. This is these are some examples of when we take a distance from these reactions, these emotions, and think think more objectively our own the way we react. That is where I think we can stop this cycle. Fascinating. That's a fascinating story. Uh, tell yeah. us a little bit uh, more about the principle of nonviolence as adopted and adapted in various parts of the world in right. your research, Professor Jain, because you've done so much research on this idea of the practice of nonviolence. A lot mm-hmm. of people, of course, consider you know, Gandhi, Mahatma yes. Gandhi's application of nonviolence. But there yes. are many other examples, you know, Gandhi and Mandela, Nelson Mandela, are the two most repeated examples. But there are many other examples of um, of grappling with the idea of nonviolence. And perhaps you could walk us through how different, through your research, you have understood how the practice of nonviolence can be done uh, in various places with various forms of practice yes so uh, yeah we already mentioned gandhi mahatma gandhi and nelson mandela nelson mandela of course was also in south africa and gandhi also started his whole uh, movement uh, based on nonviolence right there in south africa right and in between uh, these two figures we also have dr martin luther king jr right here in the united states in alabama and other southern states especially during the civil rights movement and he also made made several references to Mahatma Gandhi. Dr. King himself came to India and he visited the home of Gandhi in Mumbai and he took a lot of inspiration from Gandhi and, and brought back into United States. With him, many other African leaders also went to India and similarly brought all that influence and inspiration based on nonviolent resistance uh, methods from Gandhi and, 
and that's all uh, happened here in 1960s for example uh, based on their uh, activism dr king and other african american leaders activism uh, immigration laws were changed in 1965 in in united states and because of those new laws people like me could enter the united states uh, you know asians were allowed back into united states because of the way uh, the whole idea of race was reformed you know earlier only whites were considered americans uh, before that so asians were stopped and then 1965 because of the civil rights people like me and many many asians millions of asians could enter again into united states uh, then we have recent examples uh, where so so these examples obviously dr martin luther king's uh, civil rights movement for example you know police there are pictures and scenes and even video shoot uh, films where you know police are launching these attacks on these nonviolent activists and all they would do in reaction instead of reacting back with with violence dr king and his colleagues and his friends they would just kneel down and pray for the police that's the kind of way they stopped that cycle of action and reaction that we talked about in the beginning and because of their nonviolence and because of those images that became part of the consciousness of of the of entire country the whole you know whole country came together with dr king and eventually the laws were were, were changed voting rights act was passed in 1967 uh, immigration law was changed as as i mentioned in 65 because of that the entire country came together with dr king and then of course the the i have a dream speech where uh, dr king goes to dc and, and makes that speech and in that speech if you notice i noticed very recently that the entire you know many many people in the crowd are wearing the gandhi cap you know famous gandhi topi that we say in india the gandhi cap is actually seen very clearly with with dr king dr king himself did not have that gandhi cap but you see that gandhi's influence nonviolence influence in the entire movement and even in that famous speech i have a dream speech by dr king and so because of that because of the because of because nonviolence was the key ingredient in his entire revolution in entire movement it it made such a large impact uh, in the country and and the country was reformed imagine if that if that movement had violence in it i don't think the change would have happened so fast and so sudden but because of the nonviolence it really worked in gandhi's case and in dr king's case and nelson mandela's case in three examples that we mentioned but all these three are uh, primarily in the realm of political change social change right uh, but we also have similar examples even uh, after dr king's uh, revolution here in in america we have the example of sundarlal bahuguna in the himalayas in india where uh, government and uh, corporate forces combined together and they wanted to destroy the forests of the himalayas and and men women uh, and children in the himalayas led by uh, uh, leaders like sundarlal bahuguna chandi prasad bhat and others they actually literally hugged the trees in the himalayas and they succeeded in stopping the violence against the trees in the himalayas and even today i went to uttarakhand for my fulbright based fellowship that i got in 2012 and i spent two months in the himalayas and, and as i traveled across the himalayas across uttarakhand i saw that thousands and thousands of trees are still intact because of this nonviolent resistance that sundarlal bahuguna and others adopted based on gandhian gandhian methods that we could save the forests in the himalayas uh, uh even before there are so many such examples i can go on and on yes that brings me uh, that's a that's a lovely series of lovely stories uh, mm-hmm. professor jain that brings yes. me to another topic that i was so keen on discussing mm-hmm. with you your immense research on environmentalism 
Because right. of course, the other great violence that we are committing every day in our world is violence upon nature. Yes. Right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, when we throw millions of plastic bags, when we yes. destroy forests, when we poison the fields. I mean, that's a that's another deep kind of violence. Tell right. us a little bit about how your lifelong interest in non-violence and non-violence movements have mm-hmm. got intertwined in a sense with all your research in environmentalism. Yes, so uh, again, giving you an example just this morning from my class, there are two ways we can deal with, we can deal with the environmental crisis. One way is to deal with uh, environmental crisis from technological perspective, science and technology. Right, so there are there are plastics floating around in in the in in our oceans. So we devise a new technological solution to take care of the plastic, or let's say oil spill. Right, there are there there are and there can be more technological solutions. Let's say to reflect the sunlight. So to control global warming, we can install uh, huge reflectors uh, in the deserts, uh, for example, and that can reflect our the sunlight or maybe even block sunlight uh, for a brief time. So those are all technological solutions. There can, what can religion offer? What can religion or non-violence-based uh, religions can offer to stop climate change or to control global warming? They can prevent the things even before they happen. Even before we start messing up with our oceans and rivers and mountains, the traditions uh, based on non-violence can help us inspire uh, in preventing those those problems to 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 begin with. Right. So, uh, for example, if you take the example of Jainism, how Jainism uh, adopted nonviolence in its practices is that that they saw that even the earth, even the water and fire and and, and wind, everything, even these things, what we what we might call as uh, as things, I think, in, in our uh, normal language, Jainism saw them as Jiva, that wind is also a Jiva, which means it has a soul. Earth is also a jiva, which means it has a soul, a distinct soul, and uh, uh, fire has its own distinct soul, and so on. Uh, just like Hinduism sees Brahman in every particle of the universe, Jainism sees a distinct soul, not a not Brahman, not a unified soul, but a separate and distinct soul in each part, all of these uh, entities in the in in the universe. So, because everything is living, so any way we consume these things, any way we exploit these things causes karma particles to stick to our soul. So more we consume things in the universe, more we uh, uh, consume air, more uh, fire we consume or more earth we consume, it causes karma our soul's soul to get polluted with karma particles. And how do we get liberation? Liberation is possible only when the soul is completely free of the karma particles, when the soul is completely clean. And the only way to clean the soul is by adopting non-violence 100% of your life by your speech, action and thought. So to be non-violent is to mean that you will not uh, not exploit, not abuse, not use these natural resources. Or if if you have to use some natural resources, you will be very careful and very respectful even towards air, fire, water, uh, trees uh, and animals. So that became the fundamental rationale when, uh, when you know, thousands and thousands of Jains remain vegetarians even today uh, in last two millennia, from all the way starting from Mahavira and, and Buddha, when they were the strongest proponents of nonviolence, 
that non-violence became part of the Jain diet for thousands of years, and it, it is still primarily the main uh, staple diet of Jains is based on plants and vegetables and fruits. And because of the very careful and very less consumption of natural resources, that's one way to prevent uh, all this mess that, that we are doing to our forests and oceans and so on. So by cutting down the consumption, by, by being very careful uh, users of natural resources, uh, is one way to deal with with this environmental crisis. I hope it's I, I made sure I, I all this saying that you we declutter our souls like we declutter our lives. You know, mm-hmm. it reminds you of Mary Kondo's you know uh, lessons yes. on decluttering <laughs> your wardrobe and decluttering your room and your life. And right. you're saying in a sense that you know Jainism teaches how to declutter your soul in a sense. Right, right, right. And yeah, decluttering, purifying, cleansing. They are like literally almost like these particles that get stuck to the soul as we do more things in the in the world or as we live around live about our life as we uh, especially meat consumption as we do violence towards animals and and uh, birds that is the biggest uh, kind of the negative karma uh, karma that can be caused on the soul so in Jain taxonomy they uh, categorized all the beings in the universe into uh, in the way they how many senses they have so uh, humans uh, animals and birds have five senses right but so so to kill a animal or a bird is to kill a human being it's a equal amount of negative karma that you get by killing a human being or by killing an animal or bird so obviously those are those were ruled out for your own consumption what was allowed to be consumed was only plant and why why was plant why plants were allowed because plants in their taxonomy had only one sense of touch only. Similarly, air, water, and earth, and fire, and plants, they all have only one sense of touch only. They're all living beings, but they have only one sense. Whereas mammals and birds and humans have five senses. So to cause violence to a five sense beings uh, is much more violent than to cause violence to one sense beings, right? So fire, air, water, and, uh, and earth, and plants were all al- allowed to be consumed. But even in that taxonomy, any plant that is coming out of root or stem was again not allowed, was not uh, was heavy, heavily discouraged. So, for example, my own grandmother, she would not eat a potato or an onion, garlic, radish, uh, uh, carrot and, and these uh, these vegetables because they are all come from root or stem of a plant. Because so so to kill to, to eat a radish or to potato or onion or garlic is, is to cause violence to the entire plant. And that is again much more violent than to take a byproduct from a plant, for example, a mango or a banana. So you're not not literally killing an entire plant if you if you take a fruit or a vegetable. Tell so us that way, the, even within plants, there were these gradation variants. For listeners who may not know enough about Jainism, uh, spend the next uh, you know few seconds, in a sense, to tell our listeners a little more in depth about yes. uh, what is Jainism and you know where does it stand among world religions. What yes. are its principal beliefs, so that people understand, you know, where all the philosophies that you're talking about. Of course, some of them overlap with Hinduism and Buddhism, mm-hmm. but there are some mm-hmm. things that are uniquely Jain too. So give yes. us, tell our listeners, give our listeners a little bit of a summary so that they understand better about Jainism. Yes. So in in long Indian history, for thousands of years, there have been two parallel streams, so to speak. One stream is the Vedic tradition which later was called as the Hindu tradition or, or still is called as Hindu tradition, Hinduism or Hindu tradition or Hindu dharma. 
the other stream is the is what is called as shamana tradition shamana shamana shaman right? sanskrit word shaman means uh, the tradition that is based that that values more self effort the tradition that does not depend on any god or goddess or scripture but the tradition that depends only on one's own self effort for liberation so buddhism and jainism uh, continue to be the two most prominent examples of the shamana traditions tradition uh, there were many other kinds of shamana sects also in ancient india but they are eventually they all disappeared but buddhism and jainism continue to survive buddhism much more outside india in tibet and china japan uh, and thailand and elsewhere and jainism for the most part uh, was limited within india today in india there might be 6 or 7 million uh, jain people uh, across india uh, now philosophically as you said there are several overlaps uh, in all these three ancient religions of india hinduism buddhism and jainism all three except karma theory in some way or the other they all three accept reincarnation theory as well in one way or the other uh, and so on but the primary thing that differentiates buddhism and jainism from hinduism is as i said in the beginning that they uh, buddhism and jainism especially they reject gods goddesses uh uh and uh, uh grace from coming from any god or goddess or or spe- or especially buddhism and jainism also rejected vedas and the uh, superiority of of the sanskrit language uh buddhism and jainism jainism especially highlighted uh, uh valued uh, self effort to the to that extent that uh that mahavira for example the uh, mahavira was the contemporary of the buddha Mahavira uh, also like the Buddha was born as a prince uh, but he also renounced his his princely life his his kingdom his palace and and what not and became a monk and as he uh, become became uh, an ascetic as he was leaving his palace there are legends that he even renounced his clothing because even clothing he he treated as a as a possession or as an attachment so even he renounced his his clothing and went completely naked so that was the ultimate uh, you know statement of renunciation uh, and and uh, and uh, you know simple life of an ascetic and and uh, the way he achieved his liberation is that for 12 and 1/2 years after he became a became this monk he practiced to the ultimate to he practiced uh, silence he practiced he renounced food and and water he meditated you know constantly uh, and and just completely renounced all kinds of his need bodily needs and what not and and eventually after 12 and 1/2 years uh, he after all these extreme austere practices he achieves his liberation or what is in jain circles what is what is called as omniscience so in his omniscience now he can see uh, the entire universe from his uh, from his divine kind of vision he can see uh, past present and future so he get, gets these great uh, visionary uh, insights and and then he is like the buddha he also uh, spreads his 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 discoveries so so to speak and he emphasizes non violence to the, to that extreme that non violence becomes synonymous with jainism uh, and and it has remained synonymous actually the the saying ahimsa parmo dharma it comes from the mahabharata but now today jains have adopted that line to to really to the letter and to the spirit So now Jains and Mahavira to begin with and, and Jains ever since have lived their lives based on this principle of non-violence. So that's I think in in a nutshell uh, probably I can summarize uh, Jainism or Jain tradition of last 2600 years. Uh, uh 
last um, mm-hmm. question to you of course yeah. is that um, yeah. on the theme of non-violence and environmentalism mm-hmm. uh, when you when you philosophically look at it i mean um do you think that mm-hmm. in our everyday lives a greater consciousness of what violence we might be committing even without realizing it would mm-hmm. in a, in many ways help us you know come closer to the calm that many people desperately seek but never find is non-violence or being mindful or conscious about the violence that we might commit is one it could it be one path to that sort of calm yeah i think we can all be uh, mindful of our i think to begin with uh, uh, i guess like jens jens uh, for jens to be non-violent is to be vegetarian so uh, i think in our consumption of uh, the way we consume uh, natural resources i think primarily is through food uh, and uh, uh, probably clothing and and shelter uh, but for shelter i think i'm not sure how much control can we exercise in the way we use building materials uh, uh probably for clothing we can exercise more control and probably uh, you know limit our possessions to less clothing if possible uh other way we can uh, be non violent uh, towards the nature is i think uh, by uh, preferring more uh, renewable energy for for example to let's say to especially in in western countries it's possible now to have an electric car and and our house that can be run by renewable energy so we uh, can cut down on our consumption on fossil fuel and we can even that electric car we can um, we can recharge based on renewable energy from uh, at our home so we completely are cutting down the violence towards the fossil fuel towards uh, earth's resources in that way uh, other way uh, uh is definitely to cut down our meat consumption and in and even dairy products because especially in the western countries we know that the even the cow cattle milk or uh, uh, milk in general comes uh, with a great with great violence towards cattle uh, and of course meat comes uh, with with all the violence that associated with it and now we know that uh, you know one of the biggest reasons for climate change for world hunger for water scarcity for all kinds of uh, issues uh, poverty and uh, destruction of amazonian forests all of those uh, symptoms are really uh, interlinked with the meat consumption because meat comes from animals animals need their food and that food comes at the expense of amazonian forests uh, in south Amer- south america for in- for instance so if we if we are cutting down our, our meat consumption we are helping the amazonian forests uh, that can survive better because they won't be they won't have to be replaced with cattle ranches for example uh, and and we can also save a lot of water by cutting down our meat consumption because it it costs millions of gallons of water to raise all these cattle across the, across north america and europe uh, for our consumption so that way i think that can be a big statement to be able to uh, live non violently uh, in the, in in the world that's uh, very yeah. put indeed uh, that's very well put indeed uh, professor jain and of course mm-hmm. now increasingly there are uh, increasingly there are um, options of uh, you know uh, laboratory produced meat so hopefully mm-hmm. you know this is a, yeah. this is a sign of the times to come uh, as meat production is questioned around the world but thank you very much for speaking to us on the grin podcast and sharing your ideas of non violence 
violence and how to adopt non-violence in our day-to-day lives. I'm Hindol Gupta. You were listening to The Grin Podcast. Until next time, goodbye and thank you very much for listening.